and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father, Rabbi Avi Horowitz, and myself, Ayala, as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and topics inspired by the weekly Torah portion. This podcast is not religiously exclusive. No matter what religion you practice, please feel free to join us as we glean timeless Torah wisdom to help us better navigate the world we live in today, or simply put, just to give us something to think about, because that's always really awesome. So let's get schmoozing. Hi, and welcome everybody to another episode of the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. We've been gone for a while. <laughs> I know. Three weeks. Uh, yeah, super light. I thought we were going to be able to do something for Purim, but we weren't able to get the time in there. It's pretty crazy here. Um, but I'm super excited to be back. We have these really fun microphones now. <laughs> so... Um, I hope that listening to this is also easier on you now because it just sounds so pretty. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll see. But anyway, so what are we going to be discussing today? Today, uh, I thought we would discuss the sound of silence. I love that song. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually ran over some of the stanzas in my mind, but I don't think the stanzas... Oh, I don't think the words of the stanzas are actually capturing the ideas that I'm thinking about, but we'll see. Let's ask some questions first. Um, what are, what is the merit? Like, what are the what is the value of silence? Like, when you think of the silence, what what do you what do you think of? Now, let, so, so we don't spend like three hours here because right. I don't think we have that. Uh, but what, I, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about silence, you know, stripped of humans. I'm, you know, I'm not talking about like imagining, I don't know, a forest. Like you're like looking at a, silence. Right. You're looking at a silent scene of like, I don't know what it is that you would call silence. I'm talking about um, uh, humans maintaining silence in other words a human being silent that's what i'm talking about the value of that um theoretically you know when you when you think about the, a world scene of silence a lot of times what you're looking at is not so much silence because the world is constantly humming you know the natural world is humming you're going to hear the birds <laughs> i'm saying you might be in the middle of the night walking in a forest somewhere I guess it's good if we could imagine that and just like get in the mood here. Like, can you imagine yourself walking in a forest and where you just hear the crunching of the twigs under your feet? And the crickets. So the crickets aren't silent. No matter how much you're like, you just shut up. I just want some silence here. Right? <laughs> the monk in the forest being like, you don't get it, bro. I'm trying to <laughs> meditate. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like, even though the crickets are cricketing, right and uh and the owls are booing whatever they do right you're not going like shut up like you know, i'm trying to right you, that's like i would say right a person that's looking for silence will find that to be silent because mm -hmm. it's it's the absence of 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 sound or speaking from other people that we're considering well silence. if a guy comes out with a chainsaw right that's also human activity then you're going to find that annoying probably but if, if a person goes out to nature the nature is constantly humming I mean, we know it's humming mm -hmm. a lot of times you hear the hum right did you ever, did you ever notice that mm -hmm. 
if you're silent enough, you could actually hear the hum of something. Sometimes I think about it when you look at things. Also, like if you look far on a city, you can swear that you see the lights like going like, you could see the pulse of the electricity almost. Mm-hmm. Like as if it's not a constant, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a rhythm. Uh, uh, what do they call it? A twinkling star, right? Mm-hmm. The star twinkles because it, it seems, and it could be an optical illusion, but it seems like there's like a pulsating um, light energy that's, that's not a constant, but it's pulsing. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is a heart, when we talk about like a heartbeat of nature, there is a, it's not a constant, it's a, it's a pulsating um, energy, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right. Nothing is constant, right? They, but if you imagine the, some kind of a, if you could hear the, the energy going from one tree to the other and that network of mycelium, mycelium and stuff, or, you know, if you could hear the the, the animals and the and the insects like kind of sleeping or breathing, I mean, you'd hear a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you're like a little bug all the way on the floor, that's pretty sensitive to sound or to movement. You'll you're going to be hearing plenty of stuff. Anyway, what am I getting at? What you're saying is that the, our perception of silence is is not utter utter silence. It's not the absence of total sound. Right. I, I think, I don't think there is such a thing. I mean, the absence of absolute, you know, that you'd have to be in a vacuum. Right. Right. You have to be in a vacuum. And if you're in a vacuum, I mean, it's a totally different experience, I'd imagine. I mean, it is possible. Mm-hmm. You could create an artificial vacuum. I was going to think, I feel like maybe there's something like that in the deaf museum. Right. So those moments, like, what do you, have you, have you ever had those moments? Like, where you're just in total, total silence? So I'm saying, again, considering that when you're talking about total silence, we're talking about silence of artificial sound, like speaking and the things that we do and the activity of cars and stuff. And we're just like in regular... That's where we want to get to. We want to talk Mm -hmm. about the value of silence um, on behalf of humans. Let's say guarding silence. Guarding silence or being silent or... I keep When you keep saying being silent, I I think about like those classic... Minute of silence ceremonies. Okay. So like, what is that? Or those moments where we guard silence, right? Where like, let's say you hear the sound of the chauffeur right. on, on Rosh Hashanah. Is that a moment of silence? Mm. Yeah, I would say so. Okay, but there's the sound of the chauffeur. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a conscious silencing of, of everything else. So there's a silence for the purpose of something else. I would still consider that. Right. So, so compare that, for example, the sound of the chauffeur, where everyone you know guards silence, in comparison to where everyone will all of a sudden become silent because there's an orator that's speaking. So you can feel the silence, but then someone speaks, right? So what's your feeling in those two situations? Is it similar? I, I see a couple of similarities and a couple, I'm saying the similarity being, you know, when you're, when you're trying to be silent and, and listening for that f- noise that you're supposed to be hearing, there's like a dedication of focus and, and intention and you're like waiting to hear something and it feels very, very focused. Um, like thinking about like Rosh Hashanah or when everyone's silent and you're trying to make, make out a sound. It's like a very intense moment. <laughs> Um, but I would say the difference is the shofar has no words, so it's it's more of like a noise that 
pierces and it, and it creates i feel like in itself a sort of silence because it's it's like there there's no there no one is making noise and then there's this sound that the chauffeur creates and it just it stays there and and in trying to explain it's like in it's like saying that you're inside it you're by the ocean and there's no one making noise and the ocean is making that noise but you wouldn't say that the that the ocean is is making noise you would just say that that's just part of the silence mm-hmm. whereas but whereas when a, when a person's speaking and everyone's silent mm-hmm. You don't have the same feeling. I'm talking about what you feel in those moments. Right, because the the sound where it's it's not a person speaking becomes a part of you and of the silence whereas when you're listening to someone else speak, you're you're it's very much of like there's me and there's him. There's me and there's the sound and there's there's mm-hmm. the order. The chauffeur becomes this experience that becomes a part of you and it brings you to right. different places and Right, I hear that. So so what why do you think that is? In other words, what we're we're differentiating between guarding silence. In other words, where, where our expectation would be, there would be a lot of noise. Let's say there is a lot of noise. There's hundreds and hundreds of people gathered. And as you hear like the din of people talking and chatting and maybe even eating or whatever it is, and plates clanking and glasses clinging. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone's quiet, but like really quiet, like, Like that. Like that, yeah. <laughs> right. Where all of a sudden you started focusing on the sounds of those drops the outside, right? I love the sound of rain. Right. Okay. It's almost as if your ears start searching for sounds. That, that's what I meant by that, like, right. super focused, like you're trying to pick up. You're searching it's like for an enhanced, sounds. Yeah, it's like an enhanced kind of, like, vroom. Because before I lose this train of thought, when, when, you know, everyone's silent in that moment, so then there's, like, this anticipation, and then the speaker gets up and speaks. But at the moment that he speaks, that he starts speaking and he's speaking, it's not like the moment where we were just silent, where we also were hearing something, which was the drops outside. Like you said, somehow the drops dropping outside, that's also part of our personal experience of silence. Whereas listening to someone else speak, even if it's just one voice that's speaking, his voice or her voice is not that um it's the voice of the other it's not it's, we don't subsume it within our own selves and our own experience it's like i have to now choose if the voice of the other will become part of my own you know internal self or i'll just kind of keep it there or i'll kind of just like Tune it out. keep it noisy kind of like kind of like charlie brown <laughs> Kind of like, where you're not hearing anything, you're not understanding anything, but it's just noise. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's but it takes, there's a conscious decision that has to go on at, at some level, whereas like, am I going to make these words part of me? Are they important enough? Are they resonating? It's the other. Right. So that's interesting place to start, just putting that as the context. Um, because I guess we can put it this way. When people are silent, the silence is more significant. In other words, when, when, we, when we talk about silence, we're talking about the silencing of human activity. That's, that's, I think, what we're talking about when we talk about silence. In other words, when, at least what I want to get to over here, is like the, the value of silence means the value of uh, the silencing of human activity and human speech. Mm-hmm. Human expression, 
that's 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 more encompassing that makes noise mm-hmm. <laughs> right that when, when when we silence that right it creates a void that's very percept perceivable right mm-hmm. um i feel that um like you said when if a person is looking for silence and and will have silence in his house and there won't be any clocks ticking that a humans made or any other man-made something or other a dishwasher or a refrigerator there's no hum of Washing electricity machine. he's just like out in nature and he's hearing the chirping of the birds and and you know and the the doodads in the in the in the woods whatever it is i i would assume right that most human experience will say that that is silence yeah so the difference between the two silences is that one is that the, we have a tendency as humans to kind of encompass that which is nature in our own experience because nature is kind of making noise that's in that's in consonance with our own existence together with us whereas when other people make noise then it's not in consonance with our own existence it's could be at odds even to our own existence or but certainly something else that i have to deal with or it's i'm already dealing with the other who's mowing the lawn who's yapping on the phone who's driving a car you know what i'm saying it it's it doesn't it doesn't become natural i have to I have to tune it out almost if i want to become into myself if i, if I want to go into myself if i want to like let's say meditate Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's point number one. Um, point number two is let's say we as human beings we become silent, right? So what are we hearing? So we said, well, we're looking to hear something. It's, our ears don't shut off. You can close your eyes. Maybe you could even close your ears. Can block you can stuff up your ears but when you close your eyes your eyes don't continue to see mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying i know i used to fool around with this when i was a kid like i would like close my eyes a little bit and then i you know you see like things floating you know the what lights, i'm saying yeah there's like different closing your eyes mm-hmm. and then you can really close your eyes and then you don't seem to see anything really i don't know it's i like, used to do this thing where i used to close my eyes and then press my hands against <clears> my eyes and then when you take them off, like you hold it there for a while and it starts building this like golden light. And then when you take them off, it like kind of melts away again. I thought it was so fun. <laughs> right. I was There's like, what am I like seeing? Self. Like how come I can see different colors when my eyes are closed? Yeah. Well, this is self-discovery, self-perception. It's what we do when we're children and we sometimes even when we're adults. But what I would like to say is that when we tune out and we become silent, our, our sense of hearing doesn't really end. Right. We're, we're constantly trying to hear something. And, and, when we, and I think what I mean, uh, I mean, I, I know what I mean. <laughs> when I say <laughs> we're trying to hear something means we're trying to understand something, which ultimately in Hebrew, hearing and understanding is, is uh, the same word. Really? Yeah. I need Shomea. Like Shema Yisrael. Shema is to hear physically, but it means to understand. Mm-hmm. When you say to somebody, do you hear? You mean, do you understand? Oh, but I thought the word for hearing more specifically was like lehazin. 
Right. That's that's more physical, yes. But the shomea, the word for the idea from shomshmiya, comes from understanding. That's why those that don't can't be shomea don't understand. That's what it's. Oh. There's a there's a, a very great relationship there. It also ultimately means acceptance, but but it certainly means understanding. And I think what we're saying is that when we're silent, we're what what goes into. Um, are, are the mode that we go into is like, what am I hearing? It means, what am I hearing myself say? What am I saying to myself? Like, a lot of times when you go to sleep, mm-hmm. so you're quieting yourself, you hope it's quiet, and nobody's snoring in your ear, <laughs> right? But, which, but I think it's interesting, because I think people, I thought about it enough, because God knows, you know, we live through snoring episodes with... Uh, Sometimes with people, and and some people can go to sleep with somebody with somebody making noise or something like that. And some people can't. Like I have a hard time with it um, because, just like I sometimes I watch some of my children go through the same thing. When when you sleep, you also it's a process of quieting your brain down, mm-hmm. quieting the things that you're hearing yourself say. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if like it's like a processing. Yeah, it's almost like when you're on water skis. It's the first thing that popped in my mind, like mm-hmm. you you stop skiing, and you and then and then you get into the water, and the whole the water catches up with you. Right. Yeah. Like you know, you know that feeling, like mm-hmm. that's what I'm feeling now. It's like the day is over. You're putting your head on your pillow. You're quieting down yourself. You're not making noise. You hope nobody else is making noise, and then the wave of thoughts, you know, wash over you, like mm-hmm. this and that, and and unfinished things or thoughts about this or depending on how you think about things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think we have this practice at night where we, which is going to have to do with, I think, one of our major points that we're trying to make today is that before we have this ritual before you go to sleep, you say Shema. And which, you know, here, here, we, should, we need to hear and understand Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And you're trying to come to peace with yourself and your your essence, and you're trying to connect to something that's silent. And that's a, that's a part we're going to get to. I think the more the esoteric part of what we're going to try to get to today, the the connection through silence. Um, but before we get there, it's just that that experience of going to sleep. I'm just in my own. I was saying, you know, sometimes I get bothered by the, the small noises, and you know, I'm sure. Uh, people will say, well, why can't you just ignore, you know, like some people can sleep with the thing, but I think it's like when I'm, when I'm looking for that silence and I'm looking to think about things to like close them down also, I don't want to have somebody else's noise there because I just can't think, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a thinking, it's a shutting down of those quiet moments of the, of, in that context of a quiet moment of you're shutting down all of those thoughts. I remember watching some of our children, some of my children, our children, um, just like mumbling to themselves as they go to, especially as they're younger. Mm-hmm. And they would just sit in, they'd lie down, you know, the whole ritual, the stories, the thing, good night, good night, good night. And then you just, you know, as a parent, you just want to see your child doze off right there and then and go like, okay, okay, you know, one down. <laughs> He's down. <laughs> yeah. But inevitably, there was, I remember a couple of, a couple of the children just mumbling, like, and, and a lot of times I would just sit there and like stand behind the bed and just listen. And it were just like things that was whirring through their mind that happened during the day that are unresolved or just, you know, going around and around and around. 
and to sing somehow, also. <laughs> yeah, a song of this, uh, something that they learned, um, uh, repeating thing. Who knows? Whatever floats to the top, and and it's the way that certain people have to act more actively, resolve these thoughts before they can quiet themselves down enough to go to sleep. Um, you know, counting sheep. Sometimes people do it, but it doesn't. Counting sheep is never worked. For it's me. just a way of like, yeah, yeah. It didn't ever work for me either because it's just more thoughts about. Then you start thinking about the sheep and like the numbers. What, what color are the what sheep? Are they jumping over. And, How big is the fence? Right. Uh, I don't know. So, whatever we talk, the habits of going to sleep. But I think um, what I'm what I'm trying to get at with the example of the sleep is that it's a whole different ball game when the noise is produced by a human being as opposed to when the noise, so to speak, is being produced by, you know, sound waves of some sort. Um, of course, there's, I guess, natural sound that could also be, like, jarring and, you know, not tremendously harmonious. Um, but, okay. So that will be um, that. Will be that. The, um, the, issue, the, issue, the reason why I'm getting into this is because um, I'm always fascinated by silence, but I think it has a lot to do with a lot of rituals and, and ideas and concepts in, in the Torah. But this, in this week's reading, we have this, the horrible story, which is kind of like a, a horrible story, but it's turned into a lesson, a great lesson, of the death of the two sons of uh, Aaron, the high priest of Aaron Cohen. So here you have, like, just to be a little bit dramatic, I mean, it, it's one thing that's horrible enough to imagine, which is God willing that we should never know anyone that should have to suffer such a thing, but losing children is, like, beyond pain. So besides that, you're talking about a reversal of emotions at a, at a, at a high, high point. It's like sometimes you read these horrible, horrible stories of, people going through such a such a uh, tragedy at a moment where everything was pointing in the opposite direction it wasn't like a you know a prolonged illness or anything like that it was talking about like you know a wedding you know the right. child themselves was getting married you know and everything's pointing in, in towards life and happiness and prosperity and all things good and all of a sudden the the the, the reversal of fortunes turns so up in the opposite direction where the people are killed or die or like the children that you know it's it's like even hard to imagine and use those words to describe that situation but that's what you're talking about you're talking about the inauguration of the mishkan it's like the, this is like the climax and this is not just a climax this is like a wedding after like a lot of tribulation a lot of difficulty you're talking about you know the beginning of the romance talking leaving egypt and and they have a lot of problems along the way and they you know the story of the Egla Zahav, and like almost a year goes by until they finally, you know, consummate this relationship, which is on Yom Kippur, right? And on Yom Kippur, they finally, you know, they resolve the issues, there's reconciliation. It's like now they can really get married. You know what I'm saying? It's almost as if like this is the real marriage, even though there was Matan Torah, but this was like the real marriage because this is like the real conflict and the resolution of the conflict, you know, and the, and the, and the rejoining and the and in one way or another, I'd like to say that conflict is really the only thing that can that cements a relationship. It's impossible to, to not have two 
sides of something where there's no conflict. Otherwise, it's the same. When two things are different, there's always conflict, and the, the resolution of that conflict is what creates more and more of a fusion between the two sides, right? Mm. So the, the resolution of the Egel HaZahav is like the Yom Kippur, which is obviously the, you know. And then um, and then you have uh, Sukkot, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Now we're, I'm going to get to Sukkot in a minute. In a minute, but um, before we get to Sukkot, um, which is the holiday that's plunked, you know, in the Torah, according to the Torah, the Torah scheme of things, it's plunked right after Sukkot, after Yom Kippur. Uh, but historically, let's go back to that. Um, you're talking about, the, you know, in historically this long drawn out process of like rupture and reconciliation and then love and then the the testimony of the love of the relationship between God and the people is ultimately in the creation and the building of the temple of the Mishkan, right? Mm-hmm. So he's talking about the inauguration of the place where the people are going to be able to feel God's presence. Mm-hmm. The way they felt the presence on Har Sinai. Right? Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're going to try to recreate that experience in a way that's more palatable because the Harsin was too strong in a way. So the, this is a kind of a distancing, but it's a it's a it's a way to feel God's presence in a way that's you know uh, handleable by the people. They can come close and they can move away. That's a separate issue. We'll talk about it maybe one day. But but the point is, it's it's a palpable presence of God within the. So and and at the moment that they're going to create this inauguration, there's going to be this climax where all of a sudden there is, again, this appreciation of God's presence in the world, which is the Torah speaks about in this week's parasha. And it's, it's, it's a fire, and there's a consuming of the, of the sacrifice, and there's, it's not like Har Sinai, but it's very, very close. Mm-hmm. right? And then seconds later, or moments later, we don't even know how long later, but it seems to be subsequently, right afterwards, the children of Aaron you know, getting involved into this uh, moment of ecstasy of divine presence, do something that wasn't warranted of them, and they are spiritually burnt alive, so to speak, and they drop wherever they were inside the tabernacle, inside the Mishkan. So you can imagine, like, you know, the, you know, but just like sub-level, mm-hmm. incredible disappointment and shock. So it's so it's I'm just thinking like it I Not never sure where you are. No, I'm I'm thinking I never thought about how it's so similar to Matantor to begin with. Also, it's like it takes more time with Matantor, but it's that same thing. There's like this incredible connection, this incredible high, and then like bam, Moshe's gone, Eagle is up. Right. It's the ups and downs and then of life. We're back to the mission and everyone's so excited and, and so connected and so elated and then bam. Had the Benavihu die. Right. It's it's also another issue that has that's interesting that has to do with like, you know, when we're when we're looking for like you know to be saved, a lot of times we think like it's those great great moments that we're looking for. You know, it's really not. It's those high 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 moments are not sustainable really. Mm-hmm. You just see it over and over again. But <clears throat> but the point is is that um, here you have the father. Okay, so he was the one who was cajoled by Moshe to take the responsibility because Hashem had told Moshe, you know, Aaron, your son, is the one who needs to, your brother, brother. sorry, is the one who needs to assume the responsibility, and it's going to be the responsibility of all of his descendants to do the service in the the Mishkan. 
and, and you know, Aaron being a humble person, he needs to be brought, you know, he's, and he's finally brought to the position, and he's like, basically, he's, the, he's, he's, uh, he's doing his debut. <laughs> debut. The debut? The debut, right? And here it is that, I mean, forget about the horror of, of the tragedy, but it's also the shame. And like everything you mixed up, the, the disappointment, like use Regret. all those words that you can to try to describe that situation. Try to put it all in one moment. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's mm -hmm. mamish unbelievable. And Moshe comes out with a statement to Aaron. Who asher diber Hashem? This is what God said, Bikrovaya Kadesh. That with his, the ones that are close to him, he will sanctify his name. And this will create a certain sense of honor, a great sense, a deep, indelible sense of honor among the people. Period. Who asher diber Hashem bekrovaya kadesh al pnei kol Period. That's what Moshe said to to Aaron. Vayidom Aaron. Aaron is silent. So the Torah uses the words vayidom Aaron. He is silent. Not sure where you are today. I'm processing it. Yeah. It's a strong moment. Yeah. Well, you're really processing it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right? So you're conjuring up in your mind how tragic it is. And the Torah could have said Moshe's words. And Moshe's words teach a lot. It has to do with like understanding God at a very deep level. And some kind of a message has to do with God's um, sanctification of his name, which means that you know God's, God's being felt in the world through the death of his children, which is like, how do you even swallow that, right? Like, wh why? You know, why should that happen? <clears throat> it's funny that you're getting all teary-eyed because the Zohar says that anyone that can cry about the death of the children of Aram is, uh, is, a, is a great zahut. So <clears throat> there are tzaddikim that cry over the death of Nadav and Aviyu. Um, it creates all kinds of tikkunim. But the bottom line is, is that I think that... Um, I think those tears that are cried are like the uncried tears of Aaron. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I think they are. I mean, just the fact... Could you... I mean, <laughs> I mean, even now, I can't... You know, we, we can't find the words, but the fact is that dumbfounded, it wasn't. In other words, it, it wasn't that Aaron had nothing to say. Because if he had nothing to say, I don't think the Torah would have right. felt it noteworthy to say, you know... And Aaron was dumbfounded. I mean, <laughs> even saying this, I, right. I mean, anybody would be. I mean, I'm sure the people were like, you know, that moment were like, ah, like mouths open, like whoa, just like s music stops. You know, what I'm saying, imagining that mm -hmm. wedding where it's like everything's going in the totally opposite direction, a totally different crescendo, and it just goes totally sinks into the ground. Like, where does anybody put themselves? So that, you can imagine that silence. And Aaron's like silence. It's amazing.
So the Torah is saying that he chose silence. Choosing silence has a value to it. It's not just the absence of doing something. It's what does it mean that he chose to be silent? No crying, no human voice, just silence. We have a tradition that says, the Rashi brings, that because of Aaron's silence, he himself, even though he wasn't on the level of prophecy of Moshe, but he, nityached imo hadibur, God's word connected to him specially, right after this story, to go through Aaron's name, a certain mitzvah that has to do with Kohanim, and has to do with the, the high office of Kohuna, that it has to be treated in a certain way. And ultimately, the, the furthering of Kiddush Shemayim, the furthering of, of sanctification of a God's name, Vashem's name in the world, through the service of the Kohen in a very serious way. So that came to him through his silence. So I think what we're seeing here is that silence is the way that we can hear God's voice. I think very often we don't hear God's voice because we're busy talking all the time. The holiday of Sukkot, I think, also um, reflects this idea because if we talk about, let's say, the holidays, we're going to start the process of the holidays now in Pesach. And Pesach is all about talking. It's a certain immaturity that needs to talk all the time because it's as if we're reliving the birth of the nation. The birth of the nation is like the development of talking, development of ideas, development of who we are, of self-identity. Pesach, the Kadmonim say, you know, Pesach is the mouth that utters the talks. Pesach. And all we do on Pesach is talk. I mean, that's the main, you know, he, he got the Levincha, we're just talking, and we just and we have to explain, and they have to talk, and we have to answer, and we have questions and answers, and talking. And that's what we're supposed to do. And then Torah, and the development of Torah, which is the next holiday, which is Shavuot, is all about, you know, anyone that learns Torah knows that it's totally different if you just learn it as opposed to saying it. You know, it's like, you're, even if you're not using actually enunciating words, you're talking it over in your mind. You have to talk it. You have to say it. You have to express it to create reality. It's just a totally different thing. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's how we develop our world. That's how we create our reality. And then comes a process where we have to <laughs> fix all the things that we said. Which is Rosh Hashanah Kippur. We're most, mostly just like trying to fix all, the th- all those realities and all those uh, things that we created through our words, which is basically our own, of our own doing. And we have to undo them and redo them and 
try to uh, take upon ourselves to use words for to construct and not to destruct. And then we have Sukkot, which is just living. The mitzvah is just to be in the sukkah. You're in the sukkah, you're already doing a mitzvah. Just being there. It's kind of like the mitzvah of just being in Israel. Right. Right. I think they're related, by the way. We'll yeah. talk about that one day, yeah. We'll I, I, re- I really think that uh, the mitzvah of Sukkot has a lot to do with like mini Israel. It's like the sukkah is like mini Israel, wherever you are. Like even if you're not in Israel, mm-hmm. sukkah is like a mini Israel. But it's a place of communion. And in a place of communion, the idea is to be silent. By be silent, you also mean, though, I think you mean just to just be? Right. To hear your... To, of course, if, you're, if, if a person is so busy and noisy all the time that they never are they're, they're not really hearing anything else between all their words they're not hearing the connection that they're trying to create through their words when they take away the words they're just they're not hearing anything what you're trying to do is when you are silent is to hear the connection that you've been trying to create the whole time hmm, meaning Let's Just say, being silent doesn't necessarily create this no. relationship or this connection or this finding of God. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to pass judgment on anybody, and I don't think I don't want you to think about anybody in particular when I say this. But a lot of people get nervous when things are too quiet. Mm-hmm. They don't do well with silence. Could be their personality. Could be anything. Could be. I'm not like I said. I'm not passing judgment, but I think. Um, some people are are uncomfortable in silence because they're not hearing themselves, and or they don't like what they're hearing. Whatever they're not, they they can't distract themselves away from the connection. I mean, let let's say let's say a person. What 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 do a per, two people that are in a wonderful relationship do when they want to connect? Connect. They try to find the private place, just be alone, and then you can imagine the scene where. They exchange not only niceties, but words of affection and appreciation, gratitude and love. And then they just stare at each other. So that that moment of silence is just to quiet the words that sometimes don't, that not sometimes, that never can express everything that mm-hmm. there is, <laughs> certainly. And not even everything that we're feeling it's just you can't find we don't have words enough to express the things that we feel ever mm-hmm. so it's a it's a necessity to find that moment of just silence where you're just if it's with another person it's that you just are being together you you're just living that connection And when it comes to God, it's for sure the case, right? One of the greatest um, descriptions, very poignant descriptions of like that communion between God and man is between Eliyahu Hanavi and God. And it describes how there's God pre- presents himself 
or God creates these noises, these like big, these big sounds. Oh. That's fire and the wind, and the and the God is not within the wind. Is not within fire. He's not within the, these noises. But and then there's just a demamadaka. He says you can hear a demamadaka, like we say in Rosh, on Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, the call demamadaka nishma, like we say in in Bashofer Gadol, a famous song there in the Tanatokif. The kol demamadaka yishama. How do you hear a kol demamadaka? A silent demama. Demama literally is by Yidoma Aron. It's silence. Mm. The kol and the sound of a demamadaka, of a light silence. It's not even a heavy silence. Demamadaka is heard. And that's where Eliyahu perceives God, connects. Well, we're really living <laughs> this podcast. With <laughs> this all the podcast silences. has become this whole experience for me. Right, this whole silence, <laughs> experience of silence. We must have a good number of breaks here. But, well, let's leave it at that. Yeah. It's interesting, actually. I wanted to say something before, but I actually was like, you know what? I can just be quiet and we'll finish and then I could always say it afterwards. Um. <clears throat> it helps listening also, by the way. I mean, when you when we... Look, we know that in Eastern religions also and there's a meditational practice that a lot of it is involved. A lot of the idea of silence is involved, of course. You know, quiet the brain, quiet yourself. Try to get to like a nothing just like where you're you're not speaking to yourself either Mm -hmm. you're not frantically searching for something that comes from an idea from a thought from a thing from a something that happened from a whatever you're just that's it you just are you're not you're Mm -hmm. just enjoying the moment of silence and when you silence yourself you then you start hearing new things perhaps Mm-hmm. I think it's sad if if we live alt, you know if we live empty lives. I, I think perhaps the fear of sitting alone and being silent is because the person doesn't hear anything because they're really not trying to connect to anybody or anything or any mm-hmm. idea. That'd be pretty scary. What is scary? I mean, the, mm-hmm. ultimately, I think that's what people are afraid so much about death because. What, what are we going to connect? Like, what, but we, ultimately know. we view death as, as a stage of where you're freed, you get into that silence ultimately, where finally yourself and your noise that you make to constantly create and do and redo and rethink and, and, and forge ahead and understand and masticate and like spit out and then retake and then you know the, all that thing of trying to understand the world we live in and ourselves and, and, and everything comes to an end and then you can just live whatever it is that you've been chasing after, chasing after the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's like that... It's like a capsule on a rocket. It's like, you know, shot. It's a huge amount of propulsion, you know, fuel that's being burnt as it gets into the stratosphere and the atmosphere higher above the Earth. Like... If you've ever seen some of the uh-huh. films, and also like gets into space, and then like, 
the capsule just goes (laughs) in the trajectory. That's the way it is. Person's like doing that his whole life, like, (laughs) and then things start breaking up, whatever, and then his body starts letting go, and then like. So whatever all of those efforts had to do with, that's the trajectory that it's spinning you out on. And it's just silence, the silence of space. That's a fascinating way to think about it. I really like that. It's like, wow. There's nothing like the silence of space. Just ask any astronaut or listen to what they've, you know, their testimonies. It's like mm-hmm. the silence. Because it's a vacuum, really. Because all sound is absorbed, so you don't hear anything. Even in the shop, you don't hear anything? Hmm? You're, you're in a machine. You mean inside the capsule? Yeah, like no, how are when they, they hearing... go out, when they go out on the moon. It's like, cr- I think one of them, I think Neil Armstrong actually says, like, the silence. Like, deafening. Interesting. Oh. Just that idea of the silence being deafening. Mm-hmm. Such a great, you know, irony. The way, the ironic way of using that. It's not just the play on words, but... Is silence deafening? I mean, it's... Like oppressive silence. Like what is it filled with? I, don't know. I think that's also interesting, actually, now that we're touching on that. Like there are different qualities to silence. Like sometimes you could be in a very solemn environment and the silence feels heavy and, and sad. And sometimes you could be in the situations where the silence is, is ecstatic and spiritual and like connecting and happy. There's the silence of like peace, and there's the silence of contentment. Right. And the silence of. But those are the. You know what I mean? That's the wave. Normally, the wave that usually accompanies you recently. You know, then there's the silence, and then it. It overtakes you, whatever it is that you were recently feeling. Mm. Unless you condition yourself. I'm just thinking like. Um. I think there's just different silences. I'm not so sure I get what you're saying with the with the like reaction afterwards, but like, like well, where does the happiness <clears throat> come from? Like, and you're saying you're saying there's a this a silence and a that silence. So what? For example, sometimes I'll be davening Shmona Esrei, and I, like there's a particular bracha that day that just felt really, like really resounded with me, or like I just come to this thought of like, wow, that is so amazing. And sometimes like words, like you said, just can't get to that. So there's just this moment of just quiet where I'm just like happy. And the silence just feels happy. It's it's not a solemn silence. It's it's a silence of joy. And then you can maybe imagine the silence of a funeral, where the silence is is heavy. Right. Well, ultimately, I think what we want to do is, we want to ask ourselves, how do we feel that that silence connects us to God? In whatever context we're in. I gave out this um, challenge actually on my Instagram once. I noticed when, like a couple of years back when I was still in school that I was having trouble sleeping at night because of this huge wave of processing that came when I was going to go to sleep of all the things during the day that I didn't think about or, oh, I have to do that and, and there's this and like processing what happened and, um, and I was trying to figure out how the heck I could go to sleep without getting like attacked by thoughts and um, just noise before I went to sleep every night. And I, and then for some reason I felt like, oh, it makes sense that 
before I go to sleep, this it's overwhelming because during the day I don't have any time for quiet. So going to sleep is the only time of the day where it's actually quiet and my brain can process things. Mm-hmm. And since having that like epiphany almost, I started consciously making moments of silence in my day. Like instead of plugging in music when I'm studying and plugging in music when I'm on the bus or always having noise, making like a conscious decision to not listen to music if I'm going to go out on a walk or um, not plug in my earphones when I'm in the car. And I remember that after I started doing that, I really was like, oh, I don't have to process everything at night because I had time during the day to process it as well. Um, and I thought that was very interesting. So I had put it out on my Instagram as like a challenge to be like, you know, for people who are tr- having trouble sleeping or even just people who are just finding stuff to be too overwhelming. I was pointing out the importance of giving ourselves moments of silence during the day that are very intentional. And it doesn't have, to, and it's not like a meditative, you're not like stopping everything that you're doing and just sitting in, in um, silence. But it's like deciding that the half an hour car ride, you're not going to blast music and you're just going to let yourself space out and process things and be silent. Right. Um, but I, I didn't, I wanted to stop myself before we got into like the actual practical aspects of it. But yeah, but that's one of the things definitely that I agree with. I think we live in a very noisy world. And the consequences of that is that we don't enjoy um, being with ourselves and connecting on that level. I think ultimately all the noise um, makes it very difficult to connect. If a person needs, um, I don't know if you remember, but I used to be very uh, persuade, trying to be very persuasive as possible for any of us to not go to sleep with earphones in your ears. Which has become like us, you know, in the car and the thing, you put earphones, put music, like everywhere there's music and you put earphones in your ears and you go to sleep. But like even those, that, that intimate moment where you're trying to go to sleep and like sort things out, you're still getting this pulsating music into your ears. Like, mm. then where are you in the end? Where are you? You're not everywhere. You're here and you don't hear yourself. Mm. Like what do people hear when they are quiet? Well, we've been so silent now with the new sound of the uh, of these speakers. I guess maybe it inspired the uh, this discussion about sound and silence. <laughs> Hope everyone enjoys the, the sound of silence. <laughs> you forgot to mention it's the a, song. Yeah, it's a big. It's a it's a it's a very I always find it to be an inspiring conversation. So. Right. Well, something to think about, guys. Good Shabbos.